And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Thank you. Thank you. I am back. I took last week off. Um, it wasn't really planned that way, but uh, uh, here, here's the thing about this uh, podcast. I really like doing it, but um, I don't... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't really get much from it. I mean, like, I, I enjoy it. I like having stuff to talk about, but it doesn't pay the bills, not by any stretch of the imagination. As you will notice here, there are no commercials interspersed throughout here. Um, I would like to keep it that way. So I'm not making any money off this. I'm just trying to, you know, encourage discussion on um, all, all topics of bodybuilding, trying to inform people, get conversations, get dialogues going. That's it. So, um, if there are weeks where I'm kind of behind, um, I'm not going to stress myself out and force together something that, you know, isn't quality work just to put something out. So I like to stay, I will be on here every week and I typically will be, um, but something like last week, I had a bunch of stuff going on. I was behind on some client work. And when I say behind, I mean, I wasn't ahead of schedule. I was just on schedule, which is not how I like to run things. So, um, and it, it was just kind of a crazy week in general. And I didn't have any burning issues that I just had to get off my chest. So, um, I, I took a pass last week, so my apologies, but we're back here this week, um, this first full week of April. It's the 5th um, when I'm recording this, so hopefully this will get up today. Um, got a lot of stuff still to do, but hopefully we can get this online here. So we had a, uh, a poll last week. I won't, uh, or for the last two weeks, actually, I won't bore you all with the results because it's not super exciting. I was asking, how do you listen to this podcast? Um, and interestingly, um, nobody voted that they don't. So <laughs> my assumption there is if anybody didn't, they just skipped the poll question entirely. So anyway, that gives me a little bit of insight. And um, I did have um, one, of the, one of the options on that question was... Um, other podcasting app like there's there's iTunes slash Apple Music which is kind of how I figured that most people would listen to it but actually 58% of people said some other podcasting app which now now then gets me wondering like okay what is that because I mean here I am a podcast host I don't really listen to any other podcasts though so and the the ones that I have listened to um, I've just downloaded like individual episodes through um, iTunes actually so here's me Mr. Uh, Mr. Illiterate on the topic that I am uh supposed to be I should have a producer is what I need <laughs> I need a producer that knows all this crap that I don't let me worry about the nuts and bolts or you know the, the the actual details of what we're talking about let somebody else handle all the technical stuff alas I do not I guess there is a position in a position opening for a podcast producer so if anybody's interested uh, I don't think it pays very well but uh, let me know uh, I'll, I'll let you know where you can submit your resume um, so other podcasting apps so now I'm like Okay, well, what the hell is that? And then on uh, Instagram this morning, somebody asked, hey, is your podcast available on Stitcher? And I'm like, Stitcher? What the hell is that? I don't know. So I Google it because, again, I'm an idiot and I don't know the stuff that I should probably know. Um, and apparently it's this very popular podcasting app and I'm not on there. So um, within 10 minutes of getting that question and saying, let me look into it, I had submitted um, an application through um, Stitcher's content portal um, to have them check me out. So they'll get back to me in a few days and let me know. Um, you know, I don't know what the criteria are. Um, if the criteria is your podcast can't suck, then I might not make the cut. I don't know. Um, but hopefully we'll be on there. So when that happens, I will let you know. Now, I know that there are other podcasting apps are there, out there. I know a lot of them just rely on um, an RSS feed. Um, which you know my this this podcast has, um, and we'll pick it up on that. Sometimes I guess you might have to let a service know about it. I don't really know how it works. So if you use if you're if you listen to this and you're using some podcasting app, um, I would like to know what it is, especially if this isn't on there, because I would like to make it on there. Um, one exception would be Spotify. They do have Spotify podcasts. They have extremely high barriers for entry. Like they only want like the most popular stuff. And while, you know, you think like, well, bodybuilding podcasts, how there can't be that many of them. There are, there are. And I realize very much that I am a small fish in a big pond. So, um, 
I uh, there, there's no way to no no realistic way for me to get on Spotify at least not yet. So that brings me to my my cry for help. If you are listening to this and you listen to it regularly and you enjoy it, or even if you hate it, whatever. Um, if you're listening to this, tell your friends about it. Um, you know, the more ears we can get on this, um, the more traction we can get. Um, it's going to give me a little bit more sway with bringing guests on board as well. So, um, like, I'm pretty happy with the uh, the number of um, the number of downloads uh, each episode episode gets. It's pretty cool, but it does, it doesn't give me. I mean, I think it's great. It's not a super impressive number. Like, if I'm going to throw out an invitation for somebody to appear on here, like, hey, you're going to get so many people, and then they're like, really? Okay, I'm going to spend a half hour of my time for that. Probably not. So, um, at any rate, um, I appreciate everybody who does listen to this. Thank you. Um, and so share the word, share the word. So when you see me post about it on social media, share that post, tell your friends, word of mouth, your gym partner, whatever. Um, I would appreciate any additional earballs you can throw my way. So that's the old poll. We have a new poll now, same theme, kind of boring. It's all about, you know, Darren getting the stuff that he needs to know, um, to try and, you know, put together a more polished, product here that speaks to what people want. So the question this week, and I'm going to, it's not multiple choice. It's one answer. I had the option to make this a multiple choice one, but I didn't think that that would really get me the, the feedback that I wanted. So the question this week is, what would you most like to hear more of on the drop set? And I'm giving you five answers, five options here, more in-depth feature segments. Those are the ones that are usually, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes long, where we, we go a little bit deeper on a specific topic. Um, interviews with competitors. Interviews with industry figures. Those would be people maybe in the supplement industry, maybe who um, own some equipment company or are affiliated with an organization like the NPC, OCB, IFBB, NA, whatever, something like that. Um, you know, industry figures, and uh, this could also be you know authors, people who write interesting pieces um, and have done some research. We can get those people on here. Um, Another option, shorter recurring segments. Like right now, we've got our, uh, um, we do the, the, the musical rundown each week and then also um, the weekly pet peeve also. Those will be making a return this week. Um, do we want more short segments like that or that are like two to four minutes just to kind of break things up a little bit? Um, I don't know. I mean, I could I could do those kind of segments. I mean, those those are really easy to record because they don't typically take a whole lot of, of research and forethought. I just hit record and I start talking kind of like this intro right here. Um, uh, and then the final option is other email me. So if you have ideas for something else not on that list that you'd like to hear more of here, email me. Um, so you can go to 5starphysique.com, click on contact. That will go directly to me. You can email me directly. Also, Darren, D-A-R-I-N, at 5star, with two R's, fitness.com. Also, um, I, I might as well give, give the whole rundown here. Facebook.com slash 5starphysique. You can message me there. Instagram, at Darren underscore star. You can message me through there. Pinterest, I think, has messaging built into it. I don't know. It's Five Star Physique on Pinterest. If there's a way to message people through there, l listen to me. Once again, I need a producer. I need a social media manager. I need like an accountant. Uh, you know, It's too much stuff for one person to do, which is why we didn't have an episode last week. I'm busy, <laughs> but I do like doing this, so I, w I didn't want to take two weeks off. So, um, Okay, so that, that's the, the poll topic. So if you go to 5starphysique.com, scroll down right below the main header graphic, Pick your option there. Tell your friends. Tell them to go vote, even if they don't listen. Well, no. No, I want people who actually listen to this to vote on that topic. So um, I will try and keep that circulating through social media to try and get some good quality votes on that. And then, uh, you know, I, I can promise you this. Whatever that outcome is, we're going to see more of it on here or hear more of it, I guess. Um, so what's been going on? Um, well, last week, um, one of my clients, Alex, she competed up in... Um, Washington State at the Vancouver Natural there, um, and she did. She went crossover crazy, so she competed in True Novice. So that is, you know, for your very first show, you can compete in True Novice. She also completed and competed in just plain old novice, um, and uh, which is like that. That's kind of the default entry level um, division to compete in. Um, so you, you can compete in there. The rules are a little bit different, but typically until you win your novice class, you can compete as a novice. And then also the open, which is open to everybody. And that's always going to be the, the highest level of competition in there. Um, just because you've got people that have won their class in the open, um, or I'm sorry, won their class in novice, um, which used to be, you know, junior class as well. Um, I don't know when that, when that changed some years back. Um, 
anyway, yeah, the the open is where most of your higher level um, competition is going to happen. The open division is the one where your national qualifications get handed out as well. So that's the one that's most competitive, pretty much universally. So. Uh, results were she took first in true novice, first in novice, and second in open, um, which for her first show, we both could really not be happier. Um, I, I posted last week on Instagram um, a little snippet of what her peak week looked like. Um, two weeks ago, we had a topic here um, where we, we talked about peak week, and basically, like the more stuff you do, it's typically a problem. And hers was pretty smooth. You know, we tapered down cardio, we tapered down water, we brought in a lot of carbs. I actually had her go out for pancakes the day before and of the show. Um, came in nice and full. We were really happy with how she looked. So. We've got uh, another three weeks, and then we'll be hitting um, the Emerald Cup there. So congrats to her. Always nice to um, go into your first show and not just bring home some hardware, but actually be able to fill up the mantle um, by cleaning up in the crossovers. So um, this weekend, um, I've got two two clients competing. Um, Cheryl is doing... Figure in Alabama, and Trish is going to be doing women's physique in North Carolina. So we're excited for both of them. Um, they've been working their butts off, as has, you know, that's not to sell anybody's effort short. Everybody who gets up on stage works their butt off. Um, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Some people do work harder than others. The, these two, and Alex as well, have really put in a lot of effort. So I'm, I'm really happy to see everything kind of come together for both of them. Um, I had a, a question that, that came to uh, something that I, I noticed and I've been aware of for a while. And somebody asked also, um, you know, I was going through a, a conversation via email with um, somebody who was interested in hiring a coach. So I always go back and forth with people and, you know, talk about, you know, prospective things that they're looking for, what their goals are, what their past experience with working with a coach was like, if they had one, if they've competed before, how that process went. I mean, I, I am Mr. 20 questions when it comes to interrogating prospective clients just because I want as much information as possible. I want to look at photos, give them a little bit of an assessment. I want somebody to get a, a chance to really see how I work um, and kind of get inside my head a little bit so they can get an idea of, you know, whether or not I'm the right fit personality wise. And if they feel like, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that can really help them get to where they want to go. Um, so one of the things that they asked is, you know, we don't, we don't see a lot of your clients on social media. I'm like, yeah, that's true. And part of it is because this is, it, it's, it's a fine line that I have to walk and I'm always thinking about, you know, am I, am I sharing too much? Not enough. Is it too much of me? And, you know, this is one of those things where I, it's just, always, always on my mind. I'm always paranoid about, Oh God, this is just turning into a Darren feed. Nobody wants to see that. And you know, it should be more about my clients. I am a coach after all, but, um, the thing is, you know, I really, really value the privacy of my clients. And so the only things typically with very few exceptions, the only things that I'm going to post on there are things that um, a client of mine has already shared on social media. And I'm not going to share everything just because some of it, you know, some of it there's value in it. Some of it's, you know, almost clickbaity, like, oh, well, I'll share this because I know it'll get a lot of likes, whatever. I mean, I, I'd like there to be something, you know, something rel- relevant and something useful for people in it. And so if, if somebody posts something that has a really good message or something like that, I'll, I'll repost that. Absolutely. Um, or just, you know, a, a, a quick progress update so people can see, yes, this guy does actually have clients. He's not just some dork living in his mom's basement, pretending to be a bodybuilding coach. So, um, but I, I really value the privacy of, of my clients. And I'll tell you it, I look at, at other coaches on social media and it's like they're, they're posting everything of all their clients. I don't know that they have people sign a waiver saying, hey, any, any, all of your progress picks are mine. I mean, my theory is your progress picks are yours. Um, you know, I have to look at them, but that's where the buck stops. Now, if somebody has had some a really good stretch and a really nice transformation and it's something that's worth celebrating and sharing, I'm going to ask explicitly, hey, do you mind if I share these and let me put together a side by side and send it to you first and you can get the, you know, and please say no if you're not comfortable with it. So that's just something that it does impact how much I share, but that's where it comes from. And a lot of my clients are just really private people, which is fine. You know, I've, I've worked with people that don't want to compete under their real name because, you know, because of their profession or whatever, they don't want, if somebody Googles their name, they don't want their competition photos showing up, which is perfectly fine. So anyway, that was just a, a comment I figured I would mention. Um, 
Let's see. What do we got? Um, oh, personal life. Yeah, so this is another reason why I was busy last week. I had all kinds of medical appointments and crap going on. I think I alluded to that before. I went to the ENT this week um, for like a cyst in my sinuses or something like that. And just thinking about that, I just kind of feel all gross. And now I don't know if you if listening out there, if you've been to the ENT before for like a, uh, I guess what is probably a routine exam, that was probably one of the most unpleasant experiences of my life. And the whole time, you know, he's getting ready to do something. He's being very vague about what he's doing. And he's like, don't worry, it's not that big of a deal. I'm like, as soon as you say that, I automatically think it's a big deal. So what the hell is going on? Anyway, I will spare you the gory details just because personally, I don't want to relive it myself right now by sharing the experience, but it's gross. And it, it, I was not okay with it. Um, and I have to go back next week as well. So there's that. And then I've got to, what, I have to go to the eye doctor tomorrow. Talk about feeling old. It's my first ever trip to the eye doctor at 41. And I'm probably going to end up with some reading glasses, which is awful. Um, and then I've got to go to the periodontist in a couple of, I mean, it's just like, yeah, whatever. So anyway, uh, <laughs> what do we got coming up here uh, in the podcast this week? Um, I'm going to talk about some practical experience Um with ketogenic diets and also with intermittent fasting. So I've experimented with both of these recently, and I think it's worth talking about. I'm going to skip um, a lot of the egghead slash science stuff. We'll, we'll cover a little bit of that, but I'm not going to go too deep into the weeds in it. What I want to share more is... Um, just talking about my bias, what my thoughts were on both of those going into it and how slash if that changed after having gone through it and experimented with it for a little bit. So I'm going to give you more of a practical outlook on ketogenic um, diets and intermittent fasting as well. So stay tuned for that. We've got some regular segments to get to also. So let's cut to the chase and do it. It's time for the airing of grievances. Pet peeve of the week. Okay, this week's pet peeve is one that, uh, I don't know, I'll probably get some crap for this. Uh, this is going to apply to uh, a good many of my existing clients. I would name you by name right now, but I don't want to sell you out. And also, I want you to know that this is not personal. This I realize that this is an issue with me. So pet peeves are always just little intricacies. And it says more about the person who has the peeve than the person that is the topic of the peeve. Like this says more about my brain and how screwed up it is than anybody who would be a subject of this. So I fully recognize that and I don't expect anybody to change anything about how they conduct themselves and what they do based on this. But I, I think it's it's just interesting insight. Like, you know, you whenever, whenever I hear about somebody's weird pet peeve, I'm like, always like, really? That's what you've got a problem with? Okay, fine. So this is your chance to laugh at me a little bit, and I can take it. So laugh at my expense. Go for it. Um, my pet peeve is on social media, specifically Insta Instagram. I'm looking at you. These, uh, I'm looking for the right adjective here, and I don't really want to set off the the f bomb al alarm here. So I'll I'll skip the adjective. These boomerang videos that absolutely just drive me insane. It's like, you've got a video that's one second long, just take a damn picture. I don't need a video that's one second long, and then it rewinds itself, and then it plays it again. It does that five times. I don't need that. If you've got a video that is one second long, that tells me that you've got nothing that is actually deserving of motion. Just take a friggin' picture. Part of it is because my Wi-Fi um, at home kind of sucks a little bit sometimes. So like, you know, I, I used to do these, um, I used to broadcast these podcasts live on Instagram and for some reason now I can't like I, my Wi-Fi connection at home is poor or rather, I mean, the Wi-Fi is fine. The internet connection is slow enough that, um, Instagram actually will, it will try to connect for a live feed and it will fail. It won't let me do it. It says my connection isn't strong enough. So, um, so that's actually the main reason why that stopped happening. Um, but, uh, with these videos, you know, I'll see it in somebody's story or something like that. And oftentimes it will do this thing where it plays like the first second of it, just long enough for me to see that it's a video. And then you'll see that little spinning thing up in the top right corner in Instagram, meaning it's trying to buffer the video. So it's paused. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to wait for this because I don't know what's going on. Oh, it's a boomerang video. It's just going to rewind and then play it again. And, and so it makes me wait and buffer for that. So that has as much to do with it as anything, <laughs> but also just, you know, it is content that would be every much, uh, every well as every bit as well served if it were just a photo. And again, yeah, I know that's on me. 
That's me and my crazy head. I totally get it, and uh, I can I can accept that. I can live with that. So my apologies, but there you go. It just it's cathartic for me. It feels good to get it off my chest. So now I feel like I I can live in a little bit more of a zen space. I can just be a little bit happier until I see the next one of those, probably. Get ready to rock. It's Music of the Week. Music of the Week was fun this week. I really enjoyed this. Um, So I put together, um, as I've done for the past couple of episodes, um, put together a special playlist um, specifically to highlight some of my favorite tunes. So um, this one is it's a little more fun. I like it. This is, uh, I call the playlist Old School Iron. So um, the description from this Spotify playlist that I've created says, some of my favorite vintage rockers spanning a good range of years and levels of heaviness. So um, the, the range of years is kind of interesting here. So they go back as old as 1970, um, and from from seventy, I think the oldest one that I have here is Paranoid, Black Sabbath, um, and then there's a couple of like there's a, a Led Zeppelin tune. There's actually Deep Purple, Highway Star, one of my all time favorite tunes. is fantastic. Um, and then there's a couple of songs from the um, you know going progressing forward, forward, forward. There's a song from Metallica's first album in '82. There's a song from Anthrax in '85. All the way up to um and that this one's kind of an outlier because that anthrax song would be the oldest one except for i do have just because i needed to symphony of destruction from megadeth which is all the way up to 92 Um, i included that one just because it feels older just because i think the production on um, countdown to extinction is kind of like i don't know i guess if i was being kind i would say it's it's a little vintage um it doesn't sound like a product of 1992 when you figure you know give or take a year that's when metallica's black album came out which sonically sounds years and years beyond countdown to an extinction so it's from 92 it feels more like like if i had to guess i'd say this sounds like a product of 1986 realistically which is more in line with the the timing on everything else so if if we bend the rules a little bit there this ranges from you know early 70s to mid 80s with that one little outlier in there so um what we've gotten here there's actually two iron maiden tracks i didn't want to double up on any one band but uh i i got to i had to have the trooper and i had to have run to the hills in there actually really wanted the trooper but if i'm going for an old school playlist i mean run to the hills is one of my favorite songs but i couldn't bring that one in and then leave off the trooper so um we've got a little motorhead a little judas priest some dio um nazareth um and uh (laughs) One one of my uh, a fun little tune from Montrose as well, and I don't know if anybody is familiar with Montrose, but they're um, a band from the early mid '70s who had you know a limited degree of success. Um, Ronnie Montrose being the guitar player. This was uh, in in many senses of the word they were a precursor to Van Halen, um, and they actually you know the singer uh, was was Sammy Hagar. So um, you'll recognize his his voice on Rock Candy. Um, a fun band. They put out some great stuff. I like it a little, a little more on the obscure side, um, and maybe you know a little incongruous with the rest of this stuff, which is kind of focusing on a little bit more heavy, heavy, heavy. And you know, Montrose is they're they're kind of like you know m- much how Van Halen started out as kind of like a rock party band. Um, Montrose is is of the same vein. So um, you put that next to you know the game by Motorhead. It's like well you know do they belong in the same playlist? Hey, I'm making the rules, so I say why not? Anyway, it's on Spotify. Um, search Five Star Physique. That's uh, with two R's, all one word. On Spotify, you can find that playlist and all the other ones that I've put together there. So give me a follow there. Listen to it, check it out, and let me know what you think. Follow Darren on Instagram at Darren underscore star to see client profiles, updated workout plans, and tips and tricks on training and nutrition. I know a lot of people like to get some of their uh, information in the form of what basically amounts to a research study where it's all very clinical. We've got you know sample group A, sample group B, etc., I don't particularly find that. I mean, I I look at some of those studies and I look into them. And what I have commonly found over the years is that studies like that really lack a practical element. Like, okay, yes, there is a real world. There, there is, you know, there, there is a, a theoretical advantage to performing something a certain way or following a certain protocol. But what is the real world realization 
of something like that. Um, we can find that, you know, uh, you know, exercise philosophy a or dietary routine b is perhaps you know five percent more effective for a certain population when trying to achieve a certain goal well that's great but you know it, for most of us when it comes to applying that in a practical way five percent is pretty much a rounding error and what what i've really really become come to find out more than anything else is um a philosophy that once i, I really applied to um to lifting more than anything else. And now I find it, it really, you know, a, a lot of it applies to diet as well. And that is just that everything works if you do the work. Um, now that's not to say that some things can't be more or less optimal, but in a dietary sense, um, there are so many things that go into this. So, uh, your, your mindset, you know, how you approach things mentally matters, how you feel doing certain things matter. If a certain meal plan that's constructed under a certain set of philosophies is technically ideal for my body type, but I hate it. What are my chances of success doing that? So, um, when people talk about you know high carb diets, low carb, zero carb diets, um, eating you know flexible dieting, following a meal plan, eating three meals a day, eating eight meals a day, getting up in the middle of the night to take in calories when you're trying to grow. I've actually um, I, I know of coaches who do that. I've never written a plan like that, but uh, <laughs> I know it's it's a thing. Um, that's a topic for another day. Um, but uh, you know what uh, what 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 works best for one person does not necessarily work best for another and some of that has to do with you know body type you know how how carb slash insulin sensitive are you do you have any level of insulin resistance you know what is your uh, uh how, how well does your body intake process digest and th synthesize protein um you know those are all things that are going to impact what your ideal macronutrient profile might look like but more than that, if you can wrap your head around a meal plan or a, a dietary philosophy and embrace it in your head and follow it and feel good about it, even if it's maybe not the most optimal thing for you, suddenly it becomes the thing that works best for you in a practical sense. So it's a conversation I always have with my clients. You know, I talk about, hey, you know what? I don't think what we're doing here is, you know, it's, it's working, but I think we could maybe um, crank things up a little bit if we, you know, shift this to this. Because I'm not one of those guys who says if we if we lean out, it needs to be in ketosis, or if we're growing, we have to do X, Y, and Z or anything like that. I'm like, let's just, you know. I know what I want to try, and let's see how it feels and go from there. Let's ask some questions. Let's dig deep and find some of the answers and see how this really works for you. So um, the two things that I wanted to cover today from more of a practical perspective um, were ketosis and intermittent fasting. These are both things that, you know, for years I've just been kind of generally against because, you know, I, I didn't really... I didn't see them as really necessary things. Like, you know, low-carb, yes... Um, for, for a lot of people, as, as you're cutting down and needing to lean out and it gets closer and closer to show date or whatever the day is, um, the end of the cut, your, your carbs are going to be lower for sure. But a, a lot of people will approach their cut from uh, uh, and go into ketosis like very early on and just ride that train. And I've always thought that was largely unnecessary. And I still find it's largely unnecessary for the most part. That doesn't mean that it shouldn't be done. But a lot of people think that's the only way you lean out, cut carbs, which is just a gross oversimplification of everything. So um, let's start Let's start with ketosis. So what is it? Well, basically, it's relying on ketones that your body produces uh, for energy as opposed to glucose and glycogen, which is what you normally get when you take in food. In the absence of that, your body produces ketones. But what's required for that is an intake of proteins and fats. Now, how do you get your body into a state of ketosis? Well, I mean, it's pretty clear you avoid carbs. You basically eliminate them altogether. Um, and the threshold for this, it's it's definitely variable, but a good safe number to, to work around is somewhere like 30 to 40 grams daily. If you take in that many carbs or fewer, and I will add, regardless of the source, veggies count. Yes, they're fibrous, but it still counts. We're not playing a net carb game. It's total carbs. Um, it, when, when your carb level, uh, when your carb intake level falls below around that threshold, again, pretty safely, you can determine that that's, that's, um, where you, uh, where, where you need to sit. Um, 
then then your body falls into a state of ketosis. And uh, the idea here being that these ketones that your body produces are uh, more efficient when it comes to uh, metabolic fat burning. So um, basically, you keep your you you avoid insulin spikes, which interrupt the fat burning mechanism um, because you're not taking in carbs, and that's what really um, uh, impacts blood sugar and insulin. So you skip those spikes and you stay in a fat burning state throughout the day, um, rather than having that mechanism effectively shut down around meal times. So that that's the idea, and generally, yes, it works. But um, rather than dig into the science and the studies, etc., um, I wanted to talk about it from more of a practical perspective and why you might want to use this. And the big thing also is having done it for a while now, what it feels like. Um, and that that's something where I can tell you my experience. And my idea here is if it's something that you haven't tried, go out and try it for yourself. Um, because there is you can listen to somebody talk about this crap all day long. But until you try it for yourself, you just don't know how it applies to you. I've worked with people that have tried this and um, just felt horrible, like just felt like shit all day long on this and other people where they actually feel better doing this. Um, so you, you just never know. Um, the, uh, the, the idea here is you fall into ketosis, so your body glows, goes into a state pretty quickly of uh, glucose and glycogen deprivation so, uh, or depletion. So this is often a common stage leading into the final week of prep anyway. You want to do glycogen depletion so that you can bring in new glycogen stores. Everything fills out. You get a much more hard and dense look. Um, so... Um, a couple of questions though. How do I know if I'm in ketosis? Well, you know, typically you'll, you'll kind of feel it. And this is for people that are a little bit more body intuitive. You'll probably sense when you are, because things will feel different. You can always feel that shift in energy systems. If you're really in tune with your body and what it's telling you kind of like with energy output systems, um, you know, when you're relying on, um, ATP, which is something that it's a adenosine triphosphate, it's a chemical that our body produces. And it's for that, that sprint, that burst, like that 10 to 15 second all out. Oh my God, I need to run real fast or I'm going to die kind of energy burst. So if you try and sprint for 30 seconds, you, you can't. Uh, you can go fast for 30 seconds, but you can only sprint for about the first half of that. And once you pass that threshold where your body's exhausted its ATP supply, you'll feel it. You know, you, you can feel that shift in energy systems to where you're like, okay, this is hard. And then it's like, oh my God, I'm dying. That That's your body switching from ATP to the secondary source that's available. So um, much the same way, although over a much longer time period, not over the course of seconds, but over the course of, you know, many, many, many hours and, and a, a couple days in most cases, you'll feel, you know, typically it takes about two days on average, sometimes as long as five or six days for your body to deplete its glycogen stores. And a lot of that is just, uh, a, it, it's... Uh, related to how much muscle you carry on your body because that's where we store glycogen. So um, if you've got a lot of muscle, and it depends on how hard you work to deplete it also. So if you have, um, if you don't have a high degree of development and you go through some really long, exhaustive glycogen depletion workouts, you might be spent in a day. Um, if you've got a ton of muscle and you're, you know, being fairly conservative with your workouts, which, you know, is rarely the case, usually... The more you've got, the harder you push. Um, but if you're a little bit more conservative with your output, then you might have glycogen to last you six or seven days. Um, so it, it depends. But there are test strips, so ketosis test strips that you can use um, to determine if you are in ketosis or not. And it's not necessarily a binary thing. There are degrees. Like you can be just barely on the threshold or you can be deep into it. So um, now what does it feel like? I mean, how do we do it practically? So you've got to make sure you've got your proteins high. You've got to make sure that your fats are high as well. So this is not necessarily in all systems a, or in all, in all circumstances a low-calorie plan. Uh, oftentimes, you know, people will, uh, will go on ketosis when they're trying to grow just because they're trying to um, regulate their insulin sensitivity. Maybe their body just responds better to it. Their body doesn't process carbs very well. So if your proteins and your fats are high enough, you can be at caloric maintenance or at a surplus. Um, and it just requires a little bit of creativity. You know, I mean, you're going to have a lot of oils, a lot of nuts, nut butters, um, uh, trace fats in your protein sources. So um, all of that stuff is great. Um, you know, it's also one of those things where with, with a super high fat diet, it's a good idea to keep an eye on your lipid levels just because they might get a little out of control, a little outside of norms. Uh, more often than not, if that's the case, it's because you have a, a, a hereditary or genetic predisposition for that. Usually if you keep your fats um, relatively clean, um, then it's, it's not a huge concern. But again, always consult with your doctor before in, engaging in any kind of diet or exercise plan, blah, blah, blah. Um, so when I tried it, 
what happened? Well, basically, um, because I'm I'm in this prolonged growth phase now, and the idea was let's shift into ketosis as kind of a a reset to help reset insulin sensitivity and help improve um, uptake and intake and processing of carbs. So we we cut carbs out for a little bit, let the body forget what it's like to have them in their system, and your insulin um, sensitivity gets a chance to reset a little bit, and then we can bring back carbs, and then suddenly everything feels a little bit more productive. Your body's just a little bit more efficient in processing that. Um, so for me, being on a growth phase, like eat, eat, eat all the time, and suddenly we go to just proteins and fats, I'm like, hallelujah, this is fantastic. So it's less prep. Um, it, it's easier to meal prep. It's easier to eat. It's easier to assemble meals. I'm like, this is fantastic. I don't feel like I'm stuffing my damn face all the time. Uh, I mean, I still am. I'm still eating with the same level of frequency, um, but the meals don't feel quite so big because there isn't a starch or a grain in there. So, um, it's just easier. It's, it's faster. It's more efficient. So I liked it for that reason. I also felt like, you know, within a couple days I could feel it. I didn't really feel that it impacted my workouts in a negative way. For me, the driving force behind um, behind getting a quality workout and feeling a really quality pump is fluid intake. So, you know, while I'm lifting, I'm taking in 60, 70, 80 ounces of water during a one-hour session. So, and strangely enough, uh, again, because all of our bodies are different, we process everything, including water, in slightly different ways. Um, I take in 80 ounces of water, and while I've got to pee like a racehorse by the end of that workout, or, you know, halfway through that workout, um, that is, strangely enough, when I feel my tightest throughout the day. So... Go figure. Um, but as long as the fluid intake's there, I didn't have any issues with pump. So, um, you know, and, and the calories are there. So the, the raw energy levels are there. They came down a little bit just because, you know, I, I, I brought my fats up a little bit, but I, I lost a good bit of carbs. I was still at least at maintenance, if not a little bit higher. Um, and so the, the energy... So, you know, you don't need carbs for a quality lift, um, especially if your fat intake is high and consistently high. Um, the energy's there. It's in your body. So, I mean, calories are calories, and, you know, that's what we take in. That's what we burn out. That's what you're expending. So um, you don't need to have huge, full glycogen stores in order to move weight. And, again, I'm not a power lifter. I don't lift like one, and I wouldn't necessarily advocate ketosis if you were one, just because from a practical perspective, it's not really the best thing for a power lifter for sure. Um, but as far as just you know, moving weight, how heavy things felt in the gym, I didn't really notice much of a shift in there. Again, I'm not setting any records in the gym, but I felt like the workouts were still productive. The pump was there. Um, I was able to hit a, a, a high level of fatigue you know, within my normal norms. Um, I, uh, I certainly have my days where it's easier or harder, but that's always the case. It has nothing to do with, uh, with this particular diet. So everything felt pretty fine. Um, what I did find, however, is, you know, while, while meal prep for carbs and eating everything, it was a real pain. Boy, after about a week, week and a half, maybe 10, 12 days of that, I really started to miss them. And I found it really hard to stick to it after about 12 days or so. And part of it was, well, you know, this is supposed to be a reset. So I'm, I'm, I've got it programmed into my brain that this is a short-term thing. And after 10 or 12 days, it doesn't feel quite so short-term anymore. I'm like, I miss my damn carbs. Where are they? Snack, 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 nom, nom, nom. And then all of a sudden, before I know it, oh, I've, I've eaten my way out of ketosis. Crap. So um, that's the thing is it has to be something that you commit to and stick to for however long it is. If you're trying to do a one or a two-week reset, you be on it and you stay on it. And then once it's once it's done and you can introduce carbs, then do it. But, you know, go all in on it. It's not something that works if you go halfway. Similarly, if you're going to do it long term, like if you're going to jump into ketosis for your entire prep, which I know there are certain um, coaches out there that advocate that. Um, I don't know if he still does, but I know Dave Palumbo back in the day, he was strictly a ketosis guy. Like if you hire him because you're, you're ready for a prep that's going to be entirely in ketosis. So, um and, and with his, he, he worked things a little bit differently. So I know that, and, and again, this is, I, I haven't been keeping up on what he's doing now, but he used to have uh, a rotation between days that were proteins and fats and proteins and veggies. So not strict ketosis in that sense, but still, um, that was the general philosophy. So um, if, if you're going to do that, if you're going to bite the bullet and go that route, you've got to commit to it. If you have a tough time saying no to carbs, if there's carbs around your house, if you're around people that aren't dieting and they're eating stuff and you are you know, a little weak-willed in that sense where you're, you're on 20 grams of carbs a day and there's Cheetos being eaten all around you and you know you're going to snap, probably not the best thing for you. But if, if having some carbs in your diet 
even if they are clean and not necessarily Cheetos. But if having that kind of satiates that part of your brain and can met, can let it shut up a little bit, all the better. So again, it, a lot of it has to do with you know your physiology, what your body responds to and works best to. But the big thing that a lot of people discount is what's going to set you up for success, what is mentally going to be doable, and what is mentally going to stretch you to the point where eventually you break instead of just bending. Bending is fine. It's on ketosis, especially when you break, it, it suddenly, you know, when you break, the whole philosophy breaks as well. So um, I would strongly encourage everybody to give it a try, though. Just and I'm not a huge advocate of it. I want people to give it a try just because I want people to try and experience new things. Um, certainly, if you're trying to cut, it's probably a little bit, well, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you try to cut, it's, it's certainly something that's a little bit more optimal for cutting. You can certainly grow on it if your calories are high enough. But when you're cutting also, the other thing is, you know, your proteins and fats, while you need them, they're going to be a little bit lower because you've got to be running a deficit, which means your food volume is going to be a little bit lower. So you're going to be getting no carbs and a deficit. So for some people that might get on their nerves real quick. It kind of depends on how focused and how in the zone you are. So, um, but I would certainly advocate, give it a shot or at least read up on it a little bit. Um, now when it comes to intermittent fasting, this is something that I have been a little bit more adamantly opposed to simply because uh, I do like to eat and having specific hours of the day where I'm not allowed to eat, like I'm awake, but I can't eat. I'm like, screw that. What, what, what's the point of that? So, um, the philosophy here is you have a feeding window and a fasting window, and typically they are going to be two numbers that add up to 24. So over the course of a day, you've got a stretch of time where you're not eating, and that is going to include when you're asleep, and then a stretch of time when you are when you are eating. And some of that fasting window will be when you're awake as well. Like you can't do a 16-8 feeding fasting window because that's just 16 hours. Yeah, I'm awake during the day and I'm going to eat and then I'm going to fast when I'm asleep. No, it's got to be shifted more in the balance. So something like a 12 and 12 is really like a, a rookie's initiation to intermittent fasting. And realistically, that's not difficult and you're really not going to get too much from that. So something more like a 16-8 window or 16 hours fasting, eight hours feeding is a little bit more typical. And most often the, the way that that works, just because uh, again, this has to do with mentally what's doable. And for a lot of people, the toughest time, especially if you work out in the morning, the toughest time for people and when diets really fall apart is in the evening because that's your wind down time. Um, that is, uh, it's, it's when things get a little bit lazier. Everybody's kind of lounging around. You're getting ready for bed. And you start thinking about food just because you're finally not moving. Your brain has a chance to think about something other than work or whatever else is going on. So it becomes a little bit more challenging later in the day. So I would advocate a feeding window that keeps you eating in the evening and has you wake up and remain in a fasted state for a little bit longer. So I'm experimenting with this right now. I'm only a handful of days into it just because it took um, Roger, my sometimes workout buddy at the gym to, to talk me into it because he's been trying it for a couple weeks and he's like, dude, you should really try this. I'm making fun of his East Tennessee Hick accent. I can do that because I live here. So, um, and he would make fun of it too. Um, but he, he was, he was advocating it. So I'm like, you know what? I think it's dumb. I, I like to eat, but I'm going to try it and just see, because if there's one thing that I really need to work on, it is letting go of, of any preconceptions that I have and actually trying something and giving something a shot. And, you know, with intermittent fasting, um, it, it's really early. So do I, do I feel anything different here? Well, eh, not really. I mean, you know, towards the end of that fasting period, I feel a little bit tighter just because my stomach is empty as hell or nothing in it. So yeah, my midsection feels a little bit tighter. Um, the scale, you know, it, it's for, for the last handful of days, it's bounced around a little bit into some low territory, but it's nothing that I hadn't seen in the past, uh, you know, couple weeks anyway. So it, it's too early to tell as far as how effective it is. I'm also, um, experimenting with, you know, meal timing, different number of meals during the window. So it, it's too early to say, I know if, if you stick with it and you're really precise and religious about how you conduct yourself um, during your feeding window, then yeah, it's, it's going to be more effective, of course. Um, from a practical perspective, though, the, the big question for me is how do I feel, especially since, you know, I will wake up and fast and I always work out early in the morning. So the first time I did it, I, I stuck around here. I did some computer work in the morning. I went to the gym around 9.30, 9.45, put in a session 
around then specifically because I knew my feeding window started at 11 and I wanted to have my post-workout meal, um, uh, something I was allowed to eat immediately when I was done lifting. So uh, it was fine. You know, again, you push a ton of fluids in the morning. Like I'm sitting here at my desk chugging water in the morning, answering emails and, and doing um, a, a handful of client updates, chugging water the whole time, keeping something in my stomach. Uh, basically, you just want to have your body not digesting or processing calories. So water's fine. Even coffee, if you're a hardcore intermittent fasting person, even coffee can can pull you out of that. You'll find some people that say, you know, a cup of black coffee's okay, but if you want to be really hardcore, skip it entirely. So chugging water. I'm drinking a ton of water as always during my workout. So I was kind of surprised that, um, I really didn't struggle too much with hunger. Like it was, it was doable. I mean, I'm hungry, but it's, you know, today, um, I came home today is Friday when I'm recording this and, uh, I went and lifted. It was, you know, kind of a, a screw around day at the gym a little bit, nothing super hardcore, just try some stuff, have some fun. Um, and then I had some errands to run and then I got home and I'm like, shoot, I still got an hour before I can eat. And I was kind of feeling it already. So I just started chugging, chugging, chugging water. I probably had another 40 ounces or so. Um, which of course, you know, during that window, uh, you gotta make sure you can get to a bathroom. <laughs> so, um, that goes without saying, I guess most of us are familiar with that. So, uh, it's not too bad. It's doable. And then, you know, the 11 o'clock rolls around my, my feeding window is 11 to seven because then I can work in, you know, theoretically I could work in five meals during that window at hour zero, hour two, hour four, hour six, and hour eight. In more practical terms, it's probably four meals, but they've got to be, you know, decent sized meals. Like, you know, one of those can't just be like a 200 calorie protein shake because otherwise, I mean, you're, especially because, you know, I'm doing this and I, I would like to lean out and tighten up just a little bit, but I still want to have enough calories in my system where I can, you know, build effectively at the same time. So um, I can't let things get too low. So if you have a meal where what, what doesn't work well for me is to have a meal that's 200 calories and then another meal that's a thousand calories because I'm going to feel like crap. Um, I, I experimented with that yesterday. I had a really high calorie meal in the middle of the day and then my next scheduled meal, like I couldn't get it. Like I just, it, it, I wasn't ready for it. I couldn't eat anything. If I was going to, I was, if I tried, I probably would have thrown up. So, um, I, I just know now going forward, that doesn't work for me. Things have to be a little bit more measured, a little bit more even throughout the day. So, and that's fine. Um, just, you know, part, part of this is it is all a grand experiment and it's trying to figure out what works for you. And so I'm trying to approach this with an open mind and see how it really feels. And I don't have any major complaints yet. Um, yeah, again, it's just been a few days, but it feels okay. Um, one thing that is really nice is I can wake up in the morning and I don't have to spend 25 minutes making and eating a giant breakfast, which is kind of nice. So I can wake up. It's easier just with my schedule to go and hit some fasted cardio, which is great. Um, and then have a more leisurely start to the morning where I'm not scrambling around. You know, I can get some work done a little bit earlier as well. So it just, it feels more productive. I'm spending less time eating. And I think that's one of the draws in this is like, I like to eat, but at the same time I was discounting how nice it is to not have to worry about it for a stretch of the day. Like I've got basically five hours when I'm awake where I'm not eating anything. And you're like, well, I'm not eating anything. That sucks. But at the same time, it's like, I don't have to stop and eat anything as well. So I can be more productive with other things, which is kind of nice. And as long as you keep yourself full of fluids, I think you'll find that in most cases, it's not too objectionable. So again, what I wanted to do was not go over a super in-depth egghead analysis of how this stuff works, but just a little bit more of a practical um, perspective from my experience trying these things in in uh limited trial runs here. So that's what I have right now. And, you know, in, in future episodes, I'll try and keep it in mind to uh, do a, uh, a little checkup on this. Um, the, the ketosis thing is on hold for right now, but I'm still going to continue with intermittent fasting for a little while here. And we'll see, you know, I don't know, it, it could, you know, after a handful of days, it could get really tricky. Like this morning I was looking at the clock. I'm like, is it 11 yet? Is it 11 yet? And the past couple of days it hadn't really bothered me. Like I got to 1145 and I was like, Oh, I can eat now. Cool. Um, so I don't know if it's something that's going to build, um, or if today was just an outlier, we shall see. So stay tuned on that front. Time to wrap it up. Closing thoughts. I don't have any tremendous, uh, tremendously insightful words of wisdom this week, but I did want to leave you with just one quick thought. And it's something that's been on my mind. You know, I've been whining about my medical issues, minor and slight though they are. Nonetheless, it just reminds me 
I'm getting old, and it's a, it's a fact that I hate being reminded of, but it's something that I just have to come to grips with. And actually, of, of all the things I've got going on right now, the one thing that is probably the most annoying is this lingering issue that I still have with my IT band. And I'm working through it, but it is limiting me on um, on lower body work. So basically, I, I did an Instagram post on this. I don't know if I've really spoken about it much here. Um, but the issue is this IT band is causing problems, and it's basically anything that is in uh, any any kind of hip extension is painful like directly to it i can point right at it and say ah that's where it hurts and it's just right it's up at the it band at the very top close to where it inserts with the hip i've done a little bit of research on that i've had some massage work done on it it uh, helps a little bit but not enough to really make it functional so i'm gonna need to dig a little bit deeper on that but it basically limits me, you know, I can't do anything heavy. Like if I just go down without any weight, just my own body weight, and go down into a squat, that's fine. Coming back up, just pushing up, there's pain right there. So trying to do a weighted squat, nah, not realistic. Leg press, no, not so much. A lunge, no. Um, an RDL, so it's just the hip extension. Like I can go down, coming back up, it grabs and bites right there. Same kind of thing. So um all of that, not to say woe is me, uh, but basically the, the point that I want to leave you with here is if right now you can kind of look at your body and do a quick inventory and just think like head to toe, do you have any major issues? And if the answer is no, um, just take a minute and appreciate that. Because I think back to when I was like, oh man, my such and such hurts, blah, blah, blah. It didn't really slow me down or anything like that. I was just like, oh, this is kind of annoying. And I think back, I'm like, man, I would really like to have that back. Because this is annoying, but it's also annoying to the point of really causing some some limitations in how I move and how I work. So um, I just think it's a good chance, you know, whenever anybody is like that. You know, you see somebody in the gym who's in a cast walking around. They're still in there doing what they can. You kind of pause and you're like, man, I got it pretty good. So um, not to say that, you know, my body is broken to the point of repair, but it does kind of make me appreciate the times when everything was working a little bit better. So I just want everybody out there who, you know, if things are in largely in working order, just take a second to stop and appreciate that. Be thankful for it. Take advantage of it. Put in hard work and then do what you can to take care of yourself. So focus on your mobility. Focus on your flexibility as well. Those things are important and those things are the things that are going to keep you running smoothly in the long run. So that's it. That's all I've got. And I will leave you with that today. So um, we've got that poll up. So uh, please go check out 5starphysique.com on the main page. Scroll down. Um, cast your vote there. Let me know what you want to see more of here. Follow me on social media, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, Facebook, just search Five Star Physique or Darren Star on those. YouTube as well. You will find me there. Um, I hope everybody has a fantastic week, and uh, we'll. Uh, I look forward to meeting you back here again next week. Oh, one other thing before I forget. Yes, that's right. As of yesterday, this podcast is available on Stitcher as well. So I had never heard of that until yesterday. Somebody said, "Are you on Stitcher?" I looked. The answer was no. So I submitted a, uh, a partner like a content provider um, application and was approved and now I'm online as of right now. So if you use Stitcher, great. If you're listening to this some other way and you're like, damn, I wish this show was on Stitcher, now it is. So there you go. Anyway, thank you for listening. Catch you here next week.